our friends at Detroit Boxing Company have done it again. Newer t-shirts, newer hoodies, newer hats, all comfy and will help you look fly as hell. Trust me. I love this product. It's something that I use. I love the t-shirts. I love the hoodie. And I love the people that work there. TJ is a fantastic person. And he puts out some really high quality stuff. So if you want some new gear to work out in, to look fly in, to look hella dope in, check them out at DetroitBoxingCompany.com. Use the code word CoreyCast, all one word, to save yourself a little moolah at checkout. That's DetroitBoxingCompany.com. Dot com code word Corey cast so if you know me you know that i love my float tanks my sensory deprivation tanks that's when you step into this like capsule filled with water and when you get in it you shut the door it's pitch black the water is heated to skin temperature so you lose where the water breaks on your skin and you can't see anything you can't hear anything you can't smell anything they're taking all your senses away and it is made such a crazy huge impact on my life not only is it a fantastic meditation practice but it also is a nice relaxation uh process and even helps with recovery with athletes and my guest today has been one of the first people who brought it here to syracuse and in rochester Many years ago, when I heard that he opened up in Rochester, I had always heard about sensory deprivation tanks, but I never had the opportunity to go until I took the drive out to Rochester to try out uh, Body Mind Float Center. And it was such an awesome experience. I've been such a big fan of that company for a long time. And today I had the chance to interview the owner, David Brickman. It was so awesome getting to learn about him and how he got into flow tanks and kind of how he runs his business. Because I'll tell you what, I have no idea where you start on building a float tank company. I mean, it, it's really, really impressive what, he, what he's been doing. His facilities are always clean. Has a very friendly staff, and I can't say enough praise about the Body Mind Float Center here in Syracuse and in Rochester. And I just was just so blown away at how just down to earth and genuine David was throughout our whole conversation. It was a real pleasure and a real joy to talk to Dave, and I hope you enjoy the conversation as much as I did, because Dave was one of the coolest people. It was so cool getting to talk to him. I know I said that five times already, but I'll shut up now. Here is my new friend, David Brickman. So, uh, Dave, I just, again, I want to say thank you again for coming on the podcast because uh, for such a long time I've been doing a float, probably not as long or not as uh, consistent as I probably should be. Uh, but for me, your place in Rochester was one of the first places that I uh, I got to go to and uh, experience. And it was it's really awesome from the physical to even the mental uh clarity i feel after i step out of the tank is is fantastic when i I, maybe we'll start with how did float tanks get introduced to you 
Uh, well, I had the privilege of floating for the first time in Portland, Oregon. I was there on business and I got a couple of good buddies there. And uh, Portland turns out to be kind of the mecca of floating, at least in oh. the United States. They have, I believe they have four float centers uh, oh. in the city there. And I floated at a place called Float On. And uh, I was just taken with it right from the from the start. Uh, my two buddies and I came out of there feeling great, and I knew I wanted to float again. And I was pretty sure there wasn't anything like it uh, in Rochester area where I live. So I called up my wife that night, and I said, I think I want to open a float center. And bless her heart, she said, go for it. Really? Was, was yeah. it really that quick of a turnaround? Like you stepped out of the tank, and you were like, I want to open my own place. Yeah, one of my buddies told me subsequently that he remembers my talking about it immediately. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. When what was your uh, first thoughts before you actually did it? Did you were you like nervous? Were you scared, or were you just like pumped to try it? You know, I have to say I was kind of like whatever. Sure, man. You, you, yeah. you say this is cool. Let's check it out. That's fine. But then you get there and you see the float tank, and it's you know it's if you've never done it before, it's it's novel, I guess, obviously. And uh, that that was that was exciting, and uh, and then. Uh, yeah, I just got in the float tank and I, I thought about my two buddies who were like eight yards and 16 yards that way, also naked, parallel to me, the three of us, three naked guys floating 10 inches off the ground. It just cracked me up. And yeah, uh, and then, uh, yeah, and then I, you know, got into the zone that almost everybody gets into during their floats where you're just gone. And Did it take you a while your first time to get settled in? It didn't take me that long, as I recall. Um, I have a long meditation background, and maybe that that helps because the the mind state that you get in when you're floating is the same as uh, I think the same as a yogi or meditator's mind state. Maybe the thoughts start to quiet down a little bit. Uh, the brain starts producing theta brain waves. So I, I may have had like a, a little head start because of my meditation practice. Um, but I just loved it. Felt great when I came out and just wanted to do it some more. Right. Right. That's, that's cool. Cause like for me, my first time, uh, you float for, is it, uh, at the body mind float center? Is it, uh, an hour, hour and a half at body mind? We do 90 minute, uh, 90 minute floats, which we inherited or took from float on. Yeah. The thinking there is, it seems like a long time for people who are who've never done it. They think they're going to be bored out of their minds, and uh, it turns out when you get into this uh, meditative mind state, as you know, the the time really can zip by, yeah. and especially for first timers who may be a little bit nervous, who may be distracted by the novelty of it, who may be laughing <laughs> at the whole odd circumstance. We want to make sure that newbies have ample time to really get to this place because i mean it's kind of cool and interesting to float in this uh simulated zero gravity setting but the the meat of the matter uh the heart of the matter is is the relaxation response that kicks in and uh the first time as you are suggesting it it can take longer for people and so 90 minutes is enough for almost everybody to, to get to that place so they really floating. It wouldn't serve our guests and it wouldn't serve the business if people came out and said, oh, I floated. Yeah. yeah, right, right. Yeah, I would say like my first time, it probably took me just about half the time to get 
settled and get my bearings. And I definitely had a couple of times where I was like, pop the lid open, make sure it wasn't locked a couple of times. You know, you kind of have that, those secondary thoughts, or maybe yeah. it's just your brain telling you, you should move your body sure. <laughs> right now. But it took me a little bit to get settled. And I remember when I had walked out of there for the first time, uh, Mike and I were just like, like, uh, man, just like, as the kids say, vibing, <laughs> like we were just like really relaxed and like, uh, very calm, cool, very, uh, level headed. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, all I, all I wanted was more of it after I was like, when can we do that again? Like, I want to do that again and again and again. Do you do that as a routine? Like, do you do it like three times a week or I'm, I'm really irregular about it. Um, in part, it's just busy busyness. Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, I've, I've actually, it's funny because I'm, I'm quite uh, dedicated to a regular meditation practice, but my floating is, is really all over the place. I'll typically get into the float tank to deal with injuries or sore, you know, soreness, you know, if I, my back is bothering me or if I'm just really run down. You know, I've burnt the candle at both ends. That's a time where I'll, where I get to the float tank, but it's it's been highly irregular. There are many people, many many of our members uh, float with great regularity, once a month, up twice, four times a month. Oh, interesting. I f- I feel like the the more you do it, obviously, the easier you slip into it. That's and right. With your meditative practice, what the one that you're dedicated to? What does that look like? Uh, well, my background has been in, in Zen. There's a, there's a quite a important Zen center in Rochester, New York. So that's, that's where I was trained. So that's the style of meditation that I, that I have, uh, grown up on. That's cool. Do you, is that something that you do every morning or is it an every evening kind of thing? Every morning. I think for me, it's, it's great to just, uh, to just touch base with that first thing. I try to I try to get an hour in and then I'm uh, just it just gets my day started in the right way. And it's great. to It's great to uh, touch it again later on in the day if I if I can. And uh, and even throughout the day, just to uh, come back to come back to oneself and, uh, you know, uh, not get lost in the blizzard of, of activities and thought that's that's like one of the things i feel like i battle when i go into the flow tank where it's like the first like i just did it uh about a week ago and the first 20 minutes for me was very much like bills this appointment you have to do uh you got to make sure you take care of this appointment after this and make sure you do this and it's like i'm always trying to bring my focus back to like my breath is yeah. that kind of like the advice you would give to somebody new who doesn't have like a meditative practice going in? Yeah. Following the breath, counting breaths. Uh, by following the breath, I just mean becoming just a, uh, absorbed in, 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 in the breathing, in the feeling of breathing. Uh, following or paying attention to the breath is, is a great first, first practice. Um, just the act of breathing itself, it's just a natural way of self-calming. You know, you'll often see a, someone has to speak publicly or a performer, musician. If you watch them carefully, you may see before they, before they get going. And I think it's uh, instinctive, but 
it doesn't have to be instinctive. It could also be something that you've uh, uh, consciously decided to do. And so, yeah, I think counting breaths, counting exhalations, or just following, paying attention to the breath is a great way to calm oneself. Uh, Keeping that train of thought with meditation with, there's like keeping it to your breath, right? And then there's uh, a type of meta meditation that's uh, like mantra based, right? Mm -hmm. Like you have a, a saying of, was it like two, three sentences and you just repeat it back over and over again? Is that just, that's another form of it? Yeah. Zen doesn't uh, use mantras per se, but that is a, that is a very common and, and can be helpful w- uh, way of meditating. What, what is the difference between that kind of meditation and Zen meditation? Well, I'm no expert in meditation and certainly not in mantra meditation in Zen, in Zen meditation, well, in all in all true spiritual practice, I think uh, you're you know you can you can get engaged in it simply to become more relaxed. Um, uh, but I think uh, the the ultimate spiritual goal is to uh, know who you are, right? Uh, right to to under, to know who you are and to understand the nature of who you are, and so um, Zen. Uh, in Zen, there's a system of koans, which are these uh, questions that can't be answered with the rational mind, and sure oh. to to practice that. But there are there are different ways to get to this same result. I think all the great um, religions have a contemplative aspect. Uh, it's more or less prominent in in different religions, but I think they all have have a uh, that kind of a practice. Yeah, I'm very, uh, I'm very inexperienced when it comes to uh, meditation. My my only practice is literally in the in the flow tank. That's mm-hmm. it. That's it. Um, so, uh, what kind of benefits do you see from floating? Uh, well, I'll speak generally rather than for myself personally. I think uh, we've we've been uh, we've been. Uh, discussing it already. I think the main reason people float is, is some kind of, uh, to, to reduce anxiety in their lives. And, uh, people are certainly feeling a lot of that these days. So that's the number one reason I would, I think people come to float is just to, to help themselves relax. Uh, we all long to be happy. And, uh, that's, uh, and that's why people come to float is they, they want to, they want to, uh, feel better. And that feeling better also extends to pain issues. Um, the, the heart of floating is the relaxation response, which I, re, which I already mentioned. And from that, there, there's a physiological reality to that uh, response. Uh, the pulse is slowed, breathing slows, uh, your stress hormones are, uh, are diminished that you're not putting pumping out as many stress hormones and you get a boost of endorphins like the runner's high pain fighting hormone. There's a pretty profound release of muscular spasm for most people, most commonly uh, felt in the shoulders and the neck and the back. And so these physiological changes can help with pain. Uh, Often muscular spasm is, is uh, a companion to pain and, can increase or, or uh, exacerbate pain. So when muscle spasm releases, that helps people. And then the, the change in 
you know, the diminution of stress hormones and the boost of endorphins that also changes the perception of pain. So, um, so stress is the number one reason pain is the number two reason. And then following that people float to, for spiritual reasons to help, uh, amplify a meditation practice. A lot of athletes float to recover from workouts, to recover from injury. Um, I think those are, that, those are the, the yeah. ones. Yeah. That's like, I, uh, when people ask me, I always tell it's like the big three mental, spiritual and physical. Yeah. That's a like, nice way of, uh, yeah, that's, nice uh, yeah. especially after, uh, I like to, I'm a, I do a lot of martial arts. So like, uh, when I did it last Wednesday, it was the night before I did, uh, a hard workout. And then when I got there in the morning, I floated and I could just like my whole body was like still sore from last night. And I just like, I stepped out of the tank and I was like, Oh, look, I can stretch better. I can get things over my head and move yeah. a little bit better. And, uh, I don't know. It just seems to, uh, I don't know. Definitely. It's like a reset button for my mind. Almost. Is there any, uh, mental or spiritual aspect to your martial arts training? Uh, you know, I guess you could say there is a form of meditation in like in uh, when I do Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, you're grappling with another human. Right. And like in the moment, I'm trying to just kind of read their body energy. And if I get caught thinking about, you know, like the bills that I'm that are due and this appointment that I have to get ready for and the showing I got to get situated and all this other stuff in my mind, that's when a mistake will happen. They catch me in something I tap and then I lost. We reset and we start over again. It's almost like the same, like in the flow tank, like you, your mind starts to kind of wander, starts to drift away. And then you're like, no, hold on, bring it back to your breath. Just focus on your body's energy. So definitely kind of, uh, I get, maybe it's like an active meditation for sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I also do Muay Thai, which is like, like kickboxing that, isn't so much because I don't have this connection which is like a constant physical connection when I'm doing something other than like kicking a pad or kicking or punching a focus mitt. There's something about jujitsu and like the, the constant physical contact when you're grappling with somebody, I think that turns it for me into like a, like a meditation. Um, but I don't, I don't know. I guess I, I haven't really, uh, practice it as such like i haven't uh practiced it like a a meditation you know um, sounds like it's not an ex explicit part of the training just something yeah. that you've you've discovered yeah yeah for sure and uh at least for me like i i just notice i do i'm more confident and more comfortable when i'm just thinking about what i'm doing in the moment like what oh he's got my lapel so i gotta do this then uh, control his arm. Okay. He's starting to gra grab my sleeve. Let's, uh, start to suck that in a little bit. Like thinking about what's going on right then and there rather than, Oh, I got a grocery shop after this, or I'm hungry. I, where should I go and eat after this? That's when, that's when I fudge up and something happens. Yeah. But it's definitely, uh, I guess I never saw the two parallels until now. So thank you. That's <laughs> a, that's a good way to, to put the two together. Um, when somebody floats, like a lot of times people know that you have to like step into the chamber. If you're claustrophobic, what types of uh, solutions are there for you? 
Well, we, of course, hear about that a lot. I'd say that's probably the number one fear people have or anxiety people have about floating. Um, so we, uh, one thing that I often will tell people to calm them is just how common of a concern it is, but how rare it is for it to become an actual impediment to floating. Uh, many people express um, they're afraid that they're going to be afraid, but it seldom comes to pass. Um, uh, we mentioned to people that they're in control uh, of the experience at all times. They get in the tank and when they want, they get out of the tank when they want. As you discovered, there's no lock. On yeah. Car, so uh, <laughs> there's no way anybody's going to lock you in there. And, and you're in your own private room, which you can lock. Um, and then uh, you can uh, you can leave the door of the tank open. If you want, you can prop it open partially. We'll you know, give you an extra towel to roll up. So so people find their way. And then finally, for somebody who's really uncomfortable, we have uh, in Syracuse one and in Rochester two open float pools, which, as the name suggests, have no enclosure. So there's there's no possibility of being uh, claustrophobic in those. At least it has never happened yet. And the whole room essentially becomes like a giant float tank. Oh, cool. The same experience, the same air temperature and the same water temperature, which are about 95 degrees, the same, the temperature of your skin, just as quiet, just as dark. And uh, yeah, it's probably worth mentioning to people who are really unfamiliar with floating that this is the nature of the float environment where we're trying to reduce all sensory stimulation. So water and air that are the same temperature as your skin and can't be felt. Uh, no sound, no nothing to see, total darkness if you shut off your dim light, which is probably the number two concern yeah. is the dark. And, uh, and then the water is uh, about uh, a quarter more dense than fresh water, like the Dead Sea. Uh, that's How much salt goes into one of the tanks? Uh, there are, the, the solo tanks have 200 gallons of water and 800 pounds of salt. Whoa. So just a huge amount of salt goes yeah. into we, we dumped 16 50-pound bags to, to wow. fill our float tank, yeah. Holy cow. Yeah, it's a lot of salt in there, and, and that keeps you buoyant, and that's, the, that's what's behind the, the simulated zero-gravity uh, feeling. Right. So you float with no effort, and, and what all this does is it just reduces stimulation to your brain. You're not getting sensory stimulation. You don't have to think about your body's position in gravity. You don't have to balance. You don't have to hold your head up uh, because the water makes you so buoyant. So in this environment, your brain's got not nothing to do. And this just promotes, uh, almost induces a, a strong relaxation response. Yeah. Like where else do you turn off all of your senses, right? Like you could say, well, I can't see anything when I go to bed, but you can feel everything, right? You can feel the blanket. You can feel your position on the bed. You, maybe you're feeling comfortable, so you move a little bit. But it's really wild. Like after the first uh, adjustment period, you don't, you can't even tell where the water breaks on your skin. Yeah, that's why the air and the water have to be the same temperature. Mm. That, that happens quite naturally inside the enclosed tanks in the open pools. Uh, we have to kind of, we have to work a little harder at that. And we use infrared heating panels in the rooms to oh. Heat spot. Oh, to keep it. Oh, so the water temperature is the same as the air. That's how yeah. you, yeah. okay. 
Gotcha. That's very interesting because it's uh it's weird because like too like when you get in the tank you're you don't feel the water breaks on your skin and then you'll have a twitch like your arm will like twitch and then you're yeah. like oh dang it now I can feel the water and I just got to settle back in. Yeah, so. it always feels a little cool when when you've been still and you move. Sometimes people say the water was cooling off, but it's it doesn't. It's it's temperature is maintained really quite precisely. It won't vary more than a half a degree at the most over the course right. of the float. Uh, but for some reason, when, when you're still and for a while and then you move, it, it feels a little cool. I'm sure you've experienced that. And there's there's actually a name I, I learned uh, for that little twitch. It's called a hypnagogic jerk. It's uh-huh. you know, like where your leg kind of twitches when you're falling asleep. That's, that's right. what it that is. And yeah, and that happens to people in the float tank quite quite often. They want to make want to make sure that you're still there. It's like your brain being like, "Hey, is yeah. your arm still there? Is it okay? Yeah, all right, you're good, you're good." Because you're you're motionless, like you're not, like you said, it's a, called a sensory deprivation tank. You're pulling away all your senses. You can't smell, hear, see, taste anything. It's just a what a what a wild thing. When you were picking out the tanks for for the locations, how did you? decide on those tanks because there's a couple different models right yeah we have let's see we've got uh two different kinds of open float pools only one in syracuse and uh one of those had been a sort of a a, the the typical kind of pod uh, style tank not square but uh, pear-shaped or clam-shaped and that used to have a lid and we just took that off and put it in uh, turned it into an open pool and then we have in Rochester, we have a very large enclosed tank tall enough to stand in. And then in both locations, we have uh, these more classic rectangular boxy style uh, solo float tanks. So one from a company called Samadhi, uh, which is a Sanskrit word, which means a clear mind. It's an appropriate mm-hmm. name, I think. Yeah. And the other from a company called Escape Pod. And uh, we just uh, researched around. We... Uh, I say we, my wife, Patty, and I uh, are partners in this venture. We traveled around. We tried different float tanks. We talked to people in the business, which has just flourished since uh, since we were investigating this a decade ago. It's, there are probably probably five or ten times as many places to yeah. float in the country uh, uh, compared with a decade ago. So, yeah, so we just saw what we liked heard how the operators found them. Were they reliable? Were they easy to maintain? And the answer to those questions is always no. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you know, if they're they're probably the equivalent of a, you know, a car from back in the 1930s or something like that, you know, this is not a technology that's been uh, perfected and mass produced for, for a century. So, uh, but I have to say, uh, I, though I don't consider myself to be somebody with a particularly great me- mechanical affinity, every problem that's come up, we've... Uh, you guys are the ones who fix the units yourself. There's no float tank repairman wow. <laughs> that you can call. Right. So right. When something goes wrong, yeah, it's just your own uh, uh, ingenuity and cleverness. And uh, there is really a strong... Not not only national, but there's an international community of Facebook uh, a Facebook group. Uh, there are hundreds. I think there are a couple of thousand people in it, and many of them uh, own and operate float centers, or work or manage float centers. 
And uh, yeah, so it's, it's pretty rare to be the first person to have a particular problem. So you can go and there's a, there's a, an archive of old posts going back years. Why is my, you know, why, why is my pump making this noise? And, mm. you know, and right. And uh, in addition, just a lot of people who are just ready to uh, share their, uh, share their wisdom and experience. That is uh, really refreshing to hear because I was, uh, I had listened to a podcast before of somebody who owned their own float company. Not only do they have their own facility, but they also like build the tanks and he does like house calls and mm -hmm. fixes them and repairs them. I'm like, what an interesting niche business. I couldn't think of that even existing in Syracuse. So it's, it's kind of cool to hear that you're like, well, we have a, a great community that we can outreach in case uh, I have a hiccup with the jets. I can call yeah. and see a Facebook post that, that helps us work through it. Yeah. So I think uh, at the end of the day, when it's float center, helping another float center, I don't know. I, I always love to hear those kind of stories that people are actively helping each other. Yeah. It, it, the whole float thing started in California. There was definitely a hippie kind of a vibe and an element to it. Um, you know, when, when we, when we, uh, were inventing our float center, uh, creating it, uh, we, we thought, you know, what do we want this to feel like when people come there? And we, we didn't, we didn't want it to feel like a medical office and we really didn't want to have, you know, beads and black lights because, uh, you know, there's some really sound science behind floating. It truly works. There's nothing, there's nothing, uh, mysterious about it you know there's uh, so so we uh so uh so yeah we've created this this sort of look that we have it was an attempt not to be either medical or hippy dippy yeah uh, but uh i think yeah. you guys found a grid uh like a perfect blend like that you guys found like uh not a blend uh i would say probably like your own personality i've i will also say that i've only been in two float tank centers one of them being yours in Rochester and the second mm -hmm. of them being the one in Syracuse. So yeah. I don't have, I don't have a, a much to compare it to, but uh, well, they're pretty similar. And we, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You guys have very, uh, the similar feel between the two of them. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if it was like a medical office that I was going into, like it probably would, I don't know. I'll probably would have a different feel to it. This just feels, I don't know. It's a, it's a nice change of pace. So when I you, it uh, could work the most, I mean, the, the most important thing is that the float environment is properly executed. That means the water temperature has to be the right temperature. The air temperature has to be right. The air has to be breathable. They can be awfully humid uh, because of the nature of the beast. Condensation can be a problem. You shouldn't get dripped on. Cleanliness is par of paramount importance if you want to get people to relax and it's, it's a little cruddy, gross, dirty, it, it's never going to happen. So that's, that's critically important. Um, and then, and then how people are, are treated and greeted is uh, I mean, any, it's always good business to be kind to people, yeah. but in our business, it's the, the beginning of the therapy in a sense begins when you walk in the door, you know, you have to feel cared for, and uh, so we, we try hard to put people at ease so that they can, you know, so that it's so that when they get into the float tank, uh, they're already halfway there. Right.
Yeah, I'll, I'll, I had a f- funny story I want to tell you. You said when you walk in, put you at ease, right? And I, uh, uh, a couple years ago, I think this was prior to COVID, I went to, uh, to a float session. And just as I pulled it in the parking lot, I got a phone call. And I, I'm a real estate agent. And one of the deals that I was doing started to fall apart or something like that. And I was like, listen, I'm, I'm just about to walk into a float. Let me call you. We'll, we'll workshop this through together. Give me like two hours and I'll call you back. And I remember I hung up the phone as I like saw the, the body mind float center sign. And I was like, okay, here we go. And open up the door. And as I walked in, I was like, oh, what a breath of fresh air. Like it was just like, I was just like this tense ball of like anxiety. And even when I opened the door, I haven't even stepped in the tank, open the door and like, there, your facility is super clean, welcoming, inviting, with a fantastic front desk person that was super kind and helpful. It just almost like, I don't know how you guys did it, but like when you walk in, it's very, uh, very calming. Was it something that you and Patty like researched together, like to figure out what kind of feel you wanted for it? Yeah, we what definitely. Brand? Yeah, we we did do it. We did work it out all together. I think. You know, sometimes some people claim that a, a, a physical space can take on a vibe. I, I don't know if that's true. I don't know how that could happen, but I know that the way the way that uh, what, the way that you're treated definitely affects how you feel. And for you, who had been to the float center many times, there was there was history. There was ritual right. there. That's yeah. one of the reasons. Uh, you know, things like uh, music and incense become part of uh, uh, religious rituals because because the, the habit uh, can can help you sort of kick into the, the frame of mind you're you're trying to go for. Right. And uh, how long ago was it when you opened the Rochester? Rochester was first and that was 2013, September of 2013. OK, so September 2013. And then. You came to Syracuse, was it like 2019? No, we came in, uh, yeah, 2017. Yeah, we were shooting for the fall of 2016, but construction issues uh, bedeviled us, and we opened in very early 2017. What made you want to branch out to Syracuse? Oh, um, well, Rochester was doing well, and people were loving it, and we just thought, Let's 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 bring it to a neighboring city and Syracuse uh, and Rochester have some similarities. You know, they're both uh, uh, upstate uh, cities, if you're allowed to call them that. Um, they're reasonably close in size. We thought about Ithaca, um, but it's a much smaller, uh, much smaller city. So Syracuse just felt um, like the right fit, like the right. Yeah, like we would like we would have an idea of what it was going to be like. Do you have any uh, plans to put a third location in somewhere? Nah, too old. Too I'm old. Too- <laughs> <laughs> You're like, yeah. you got my two places. That's all I'm doing right now. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a lot of work running yeah. book center. So are yeah. you managing both of them at the same time? Or do you have uh, like a second in command at each post? We 
we used to, um, uh, we have always had Glenn uh, managing and running the, the Syracuse float center. And he's, he was there. Uh, in fact, his agreement to run it initially was part of the decision to go ahead with it. So Glenn uh, runs the show over there. And, uh, and then uh, more or less, I manage the, the one over here. I mean, you know, there are some position, there are some kinds of thinking and decisions that are uh, beyond uh, uh, different uh, uh, beyond the, the, the day-to-day management that Glenn needs to take care of. But uh, as far as, yeah, taking care of the physical facility and uh, managing personnel, Glenn and our, and our assistant manager, Hannah do a great job for us over in Syracuse. And I was thinking that I'd, I'd be there a lot when we, when, when we, planned it but they're so good that i i don't have to make the trip very often at all well that's that's a good thing len yeah it keeps you uh that's always good to have uh good employees that you don't have to uh constantly follow up with that goes right. uh tenfold yeah know? those guys are great right right does um uh is your wife also helping you run and manage these facilities yep she um she does a lot of the work that looks like this so if it's uh, payroll related or, you know, any, any uh, website related, you know, that kind of thing. She does the books. She does the books. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Right. Now, um, are you full time into doing this or are you, are you juggling it with a, another full time job? I, uh, my wife and I are both classical violinists. We both uh, played really? in Manchester Philharmonic. I played there for many, many years and I left the orchestra when, the float center opened. Uh, I took a year of leave of absence. And then when things were going okay with the float center, I cut that tie. Patty still plays violin for the Rochester Philharmonic. So, so she's the juggler. Wow. That is cool. Is that how you guys met was violin? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow. That is cool. That is, uh, is very interesting. Was it, uh, really nerve wracking when you, cut the cord and went to full-time float center? Uh, That particular aspect of it felt reasonably comfortable. Um, But it's a, it's risky opening a a business. And this of course is a business that has no precedent in the region, you know? Yeah. Especially 2012. Right. I mean, this was not the scene of float tanks didn't blow up. Yeah, it was, I mean, we sort of caught the beginning of the wave, I think. But uh, yeah, I I mean, it's expensive to purchase a float tank and it's expensive to build a float center. You know, the, the, every room has a shower in it. So you've got to crack the cement and put in your plumbing and, and, uh, you know, the rooms have to be isolated from one another acoustically and it all, it all costs something. So it was a, it was a big investment. And that was scary. And then you sign a lease for six years and, uh, and you're, you're, and you're saying, God, please just go six years. Ah, right. You're like, Oh God. You about leases, you know, more about them than I do. So once your name's on the bottom of that paper, you're, you're, um, you're on the hook for that rent and commercial rents are not inexpensive. And the, the leases are many, many years long. So. Right. When you, all the research that you've done up to before you sign that lease, was it 
uh, done with uh, your wife, Patty? And was it with uh, different flow tank experts? Well, we, uh, we had an attorney, of course, and the, the guys that float on in the, the Portland place where I first floated, they float on turns out to be kind of an industry leader. Um, they had a business plan. Uh, they, they have a business plan that you can buy at the time. It was, it was, uh, half baked, uh, and they shared that with me and gave me some advice. And I, you know, I went out and I bought lunch for about half a dozen people in the community that I thought would maybe have some insights, but in the end there's, there's, you know, there's an element of, you know, tossing your, you know, putting yourself uh, open to the fates mm-hmm. and never be sure what's going to, what's going to come of it. Yeah. Especially when you're opening a new business, it's always a, a leap of faith, right? With uh, the people that you've talked to and now have uh, met through networking with different uh, flow tank centers and stuff like that. Is there somebody uh, that you either like a look up to that's a role model to you, or maybe like a mentor figure to you, somebody that you kind of connect with on a regular basis? Well, the flow, the guys from float on um, Graham and Ashcon are, are, are the two guys there. There were four right. at the time. And those two guys, especially Graham was, was helpful to me. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm probably haven't spoken with him for a couple of years because, you know, you get to stand on your own two feet after a while. And, uh, um, but, uh, but yeah, if there were, if there were anyone, if there was anyone who was a mentor, it was, uh, it was this, uh, Graham Talley from, from float on in Portland. Now that you and your business is established way more, do you have people coming to you looking for advice? Yeah. You know, right. <laughs> Long before I could have claimed any sense of, uh, expertise in the, in the, in the area, if I can even claim it now, people were, were asking me questions and, and I was very happy to, uh, do my best to, uh, nourish, nurture the, the vibe I described of the float community being, uh, fa- you know, sort of a family supportive kind of a right. kind of industry. And I, I think even as large as it's gotten, there's still there's still a big element of that. You can imagine the kind of uh, conversations that were taking place a little over two years ago when uh, the coronavirus came to town. <laughs> uh, right. people, you know, we 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 all had a lot of thinking to do about our procedures and how we were going to keep people safe. That was that was probably the scariest time outside of just opening the business was the beginning of that. Just because everything was so up in the air. When, when, when I talked to my wife about this at the very beginning, when I was, when I was proposing the idea of doing it, she said, uh, she asked me about my confidence that it could work out. And, you know, for all of the conversations I had and the people I spoke to, ultimately it came down to my gut sense that, floating is just awesome and people are going to love it. I mean, that, that was my strong intuition from the moment I floated. She said, so that's what I told her. And she said, is there anything you can think of that could make this business that could, that could cause this business to fail? I said a pandemic. (laughs) Wow. 
Yeah. And I was thinking of the AIDS, the AIDS pandemic, which uh, people who have been in the float industry for a while talk about the, the, the first wave and the second wave uh, floating, uh, was invented back in the late 50s by a guy named John Lilly, who was the inspiration for the William Hurt character in Altered States. And uh, and then through the 70s, it started taking off. And uh, you're n- not nearly old enough to remember the, the, the beginning of the AIDS epidemic, but people were very scared to use public restrooms, to use swimming pools. And uh, it didn't kill the float industry, but it it uh, came pretty close. I think there are maybe two or three places in the in the country that were open before AIDS and are still open oh, today. Because oh. everybody shut down. A lot of places closed. There weren't there weren't tons of them. Probably right. uh, probably I'm I'm just wild guessing here, but I'm pretty sure it'd be under a hundred fifty, maybe something like that. Yeah, right. Like but, nationally, we're talking. Yeah, yeah, right. probably not even fifty. Right. Wow. That's a, a very interesting. So this, this gentleman, John Lilly, you said was yeah. the inventor of the flow tank. Yeah. Interesting. And what was uh, his purpose for inventing it? Do you know? Yeah. He was not seeking a therapy. He was not looking for something that was going to make you feel good. He was examining the question, what happens to consciousness absent sensory stimulation? And mm-hmm. uh, he, he was, he was on to something because things do change, of course. Um, uh, but uh, so, so it was just serendipity that uh, this uh, therapeutic modality to start uh, uh, came out of his his uh, research. And his first subject was himself. He he was floating initially. Uh, we float horizon- uh, horizontally, of course, uh, but initially he was floating wearing scuba gear Whoa. and uh, <laughs> had weighted his feet down and wow. uh, was floating uh, vertically. Interesting. Like yeah. a, like a vampire, yeah. <laughs> a scuba vampire. Yeah. That's, that's so, wild. Yeah. So it's become a lot, a lot simpler <laughs> since. Yeah. Yeah. And only uh, the water is like, how high is it? It's like a foot. Yeah. 10 inches. Right. Right. Wow. So yeah, a, lot of people, a lot of people who don't swim, float right yeah and it's kind of interesting so it started in the 50s and then it had a little bit of excitement i mean i don't think we're we've ever seen flow tanks be as popular as they are today yeah what yeah. do you think so contributes fun. to its popularity it's, it's great <laughs> yeah right yeah just, people feel great when you know as i was saying people just they people just want to be happy and right. uh running helps Right. And also when we're in an age of technology and idea sharing is easier now than ever in the fifties, if somebody invented flow tanks, you'd probably get called a lunatic, but you would have no way to get that out to other people for them to try. Right. Other than a newspaper clipping. Well, the printing press does predate the float tank. So there were a few things going on before, before you were born. Yeah. Right. 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 I, it's, it's a, Really cool to see how I feel like prior, like even now, but prior to COVID, like 2018, 2019, I felt like float tanks were like exploding around the United States. They were popping up everywhere. And uh, it's really cool to see because I think uh, more people are realizing the the beneficial effects of of doing them. Uh, 
what's really cool though is you guys don't even just have float tanks you guys also have a salt room what it, what is that i haven't done that yet yeah the salt room is uh is uh offers a therapy called halo therapy halo is just greek for salt and halo therapy is uh much older than float therapy float therapy was invented back in the 50s became a thing the public did in the 70s halo therapy dates back to the 1830s and it was uh more discovered than invented i would say uh there was a polish physician who treated salt miners and other miners coal miners and uh, he found that the salt miners not only didn't have the kinds of problems the coal miners had but they had you know especially good respiratory health. And it turns out that just all the hours in that micro environment of salt caves was helping keep, was keeping their respiratory systems in good shape. And the way that works is uh, uh, whether it's in a natural environment, like a salt cave or in our salt room where we're artificially putting salt into the air, you're breathing salt in and it's settling where you have congestion in the lungs, the sinuses, the bronchi, and salt has three properties which can be beneficial. It uh, fights inflammation. It uh, tends to kill germs. And salt is hydrophilic. It draws moisture. Um, and so when you've got salt where you have congestion, you're bringing moisture to the, to the congestion. And that helps thin, uh, thin it out a little bit. Thin it out and helps, help, helps keep your lungs and sinuses clear. How long are you supposed to sit in the room for? Uh, we do 45 minute sessions. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. And if it's uh, like, is it aimed specifically for maybe somebody who is sick with coughing or is it just like overall respiratory health? Um, any kind of con- uh, condition where there's congestion uh, can benefit. We, um, We've changed things up uh, with the salt room uh, in light of the pandemic. It used to be a community room. Now, if you go, you're either in there alone or you're in there with your party that you booked with. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, and so the, the kinds of ailments that people come for, allergies, seasonal allergies, asthma, um, even stuff like cystic fibrosis, uh, chronic or, or acute sinus problems i feel like i would imagine if you are a heavy smoker this is probably a a good idea for you to add to like a weekly routine for you yeah um yeah it'll it'll help you clear whatever's (laughs) whatever's in your lungs we do uh uh require we do say that you if you're in the contagious phase of an illness you're not i mean we we've been saying that for years and it's it's become uh patently uh you know there's no other way now of course right right yeah a lot of the uh stuff you guys already had in place was like sanitized great procedures anyways before covid hit and then covid hit and then you guys had to tweak tweak some things like having one person check in and staggering check-ins yeah we did everything we could to keep people apart from each other which was the opposite of what we envisioned you know we envisioned people uh, and, and, you know, we had it and we people, the, the floaters coming out, we're talking to the floaters coming in and that was a beautiful thing. And, you know, we just envisioned it a place where people could hang out. And then the, the pandemic came and we did what we could to 
to interrupt that. Um, uh, one of the things that we didn't have to change at all was water uh, hygiene. That the, the coronavirus is very easy to kill, actually. And our tried and true method of uh, ultraviolet light plus hydrogen peroxide in the water is more than enough to, to kill coronavirus. But uh, we were very concerned about surfaces, as uh, everyone was initially. And so we began spraying everything down. And we've continued to do that. Um, the place is cleaner than ever. And then air, of course, turns out to be the main means of transmission. And uh, for that, we we just cut way back on our capacity. We leave about an hour and a half between floats. We've got air purifiers in every room. We've got exhaust fans in every room and, uh, and then just the passage of time. And, uh, uh, so I'm happy to say that to our knowledge, nobody has gotten sick with the coronavirus while they were at the float center. Yeah. It's a very, a very clean facility for sure. What, what does that filter look like? Because I'm, I'm very impressed that a filter that has to pump and siphon salt water all the time can be as quiet as the ones that you guys have. Does it just suck yeah. it through, put it through? Uh, I, I don't know. I, I guess explain how that process well, looks like. It, it's a kind of pump, not unlike what you'd use for a hot tub or a, or a swimming pool. Uh, they're magnetic drive pumps, which means that the salt water doesn't come in contact uh, with the mechanics. And mm-hmm. uh, and uh, the, the filtration there, you know, they're spun, spun filters. And, you know, we change them out every week. And, uh, uh, we, uh, we run those pumps for half an hour between clients. That's enough for six complete exchanges of the water. So oh, wow. uh, that, yeah. And then, uh, and then the water is maintained at all at between 50 and hundred parts per million hydrogen peroxide, which doesn't have the, uh, the chlorine's downside of, of being, uh, carcinogenic and, and unpleasant to smell. You went, you know, everybody's been in an old hotel pool that yep. just are overwhelmed by the smell of the chlorine. You want to be some, some, some um, municipalities require uh, their float centers to use chlorine. It's doable, but it's, I, I consider it to be a less desirable way to go. Right. Um, you know, when you open a float center in a municipality, you're, working with the health department and you hope that they're uh, both conscientious and smart and flexible and, and can recognize that uh, there's a difference between a float tank and a swimming pool. There are some similarities, but there are also some major differences. And uh, there are, there are horror stories in the, in the flow community of, of uh, inspectors coming in and, you know, you know, wanting, you know, like there's no sign that says no diving yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? Obviously. So, yeah. I mean, we have yet to find somebody trying to dive into our 10 inches of, <laughs> of float water. So yeah, right. So luckily Monroe and, uh, uh, Monroe County and, uh, Onondaga and Onondaga County, uh, health departments were quite, uh, they worked with us nicely. That's, that's good to hear. It's refreshing, especially <laughs> I couldn't imagine that'd be really funny. them saying, don't where's the no diving sign where's the no running by pool sign yeah. <laughs> uh i'll i'll ask you one last question sure um so for you where do you see the 
the flow tank center, we'll say in the next 10 years, what, what do you envision that looking like? Well, I hope it's just more of the same. I mean, we're, we're really happy with the two therapies we offer. We chose them uh, knowing that they work. Um, you know, there are a lot of fad therapies that, that come through and come and go. And I, and, uh, and uh, I don't, I don't feel any desire to add any other ones, add anything right now. I mean, if something came up that was, re- that was really tried and true and, and we had confidence in uh, it's, it's possible that we could add that in Syracuse. Anyway, we, there's room there that in our Rochester center, there is none. Um, so I hope that uh, we just keep, we just keep offering uh, great floats and, and great halo therapy sessions and uh, that more and more people come to see uh, their value. Yeah. For, I, I cannot say enough good things about it for me. If I should probably be just do it once a month, I feel like my overall mental state would be more equal equilibrium, e- evened out, I guess you want to uh, say, sure. um, but I always try to, suggest it to as many people as possible because the benefits for me outweigh the the anxiety that I get at least the first like the first time I got anxiety but now now I'm just like now you're kind of in the flow when you have done it so many times you kind of are used to it you're able to to slip right into that uh relaxed and meditative state right well, I appreciate your spreading the word, and I particularly appreciate coming on the Corey Cast. Yeah, this is this is a really cool because I like I like I told you I'm not blowing smoke up your ass. I've just been a big fan of of your facilities for a long time. So, for me to uh, learn more about you as a person, a business owner, and more about the facilities and the flow tanks, this was, if anything, an extremely educational piece for for myself. So thank you for your time. That was was great. Thank you very much, Corey. Thank you so much for listening to the show. The love and support that you guys show me is such a wonderful thing. From the text messages to social media posts, it's just a constant reminder of how many awesome people I have in my life. If you want to support the show, make sure you subscribe, follow, like the podcast so you don't miss an episode. Share it with your friends and tell them what your favorite episode is. If you think yourself or someone you may know would be great on the podcast, reach out to me and we can make it happen. I love putting these out and getting a chance to talk to so many interesting people is so incredible. So thank you for giving me your time, and I appreciate you guys more than I can put into words. I love you people very much.